Podcast Answer Man, episode number 292. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, this is Leo Laporte of This Week in Tech, and you're listening, (laughs) you're smart, to Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet released that first episode, you really need to head over to learnhowtopodcast.com. Anyway, this show is here to help you take everything you do, including your show, to the next level. My friends, I am so excited to be back with you here in my studio. It's taken me a little while to get used to living back here in what I call the real world. You know, back at home uh, where I'm not in Vegas, I spent a total of eight days in Vegas. Las Vegas is my first trip there. I'm actually going to tell you a little bit about my trip to Vegas, some of the highlights of the things that went on there. And uh, yeah, so I, I know that last week I, you know, we did a whole uh, roundtable discussion from my suite with some folks from the GSPN.TV and Podcast Mastermind community, which was totally awesome. Absolutely loved that. Which, by the way, the the episode that you heard right before this one, episode two ninety one, one hundred percent recorded with nothing more than my Roland R dash zero five recorder. Now. I forgot to mention this in the little brief intro of that recording that uh, there was a little buzzing right at the very beginning, like within the first five to seven minutes of the uh, recording uh, with of the roundtable discussion. And the reason for that is somebody else's phone was sitting on the table and it was actually creating that buzz. Now, I just want to share this with you guys as a little tip. One of the things that I would normally do that I didn't do this time is I would normally be monitoring the audio through my earbuds to make sure that I'm not getting any kind of um, sounds like that introduced into the recording. Because if you plug in earbuds into the headphones section of the recorder, you actually get to hear exactly what's getting recorded, exactly as it's going to sound. Other than that, I think it turned out really well, and it just goes to show what you can do with nothing more, nothing more than a digital audio recorder like the R-05 from Roland. Uh, Anyway, uh, in this episode, let me tell you what we're going to talk about. I am going to give you some more detailed information about the podcasting patent lawsuit against content creators. So yes, there is a company out there, Personal Audio LLC, that claims to have a patent on podcasting and they are suing content creators. Three big networks right now. We're going to talk a little bit more. We're actually, I'm going to talk quite a bit about that in this episode, uh, but that'll be in just a few moments. So all of that, including uh, probably more that I'll just randomly pull into this episode. If that sounds interesting to you, I hope that you'll tune in and stay listening to the entire episode that I have here for you in episode 292. If you want links to anything that I mentioned, go to podcastanswerman.com slash 292. You'll see links to everything there. And, of course, I'm going to start things off right now with my personal plug of the week. This week, I want to actually highlight and congratulate Susie Farthing. 
Susie Farthing uh, is a uh, registered nurse, and she actually just launched her podcast just a couple weeks ago. She was in my podcasting A to Z 2012, winter 2012 course, and just before the end of the four weeks together, she did launch her podcast called One Love for Nurses. You can find it at onelovefornurses.com. And I'm going to play just the first minute of the audio from her second episode. Here it is. One Love for Nurses, episode number two. All nurses to the nurses station. Hi, welcome to One Love for Nurses, the podcast to encourage, inspire, and educate Christian nurses because we believe that uniting the nursing profession in spirit and purpose will positively impact our nation's, even the world's, collective spiritual health care and nursing recruitment needs. I'm your show's host, Susie Farthing, and I'm a registered nurse. I have a good show planned for you today. Uh, first, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, I've been a registered nurse for all right, I'll let you guys uh, just go with that there. Hopefully, that's whet the appetites of some of you. Uh, very thankful to have another woman in podcasting. You know, I, I often hear people complain about the lack of women in podcasting. And I'll be honest with you, my, my podcasting A to Z students, um, you know, I, I'd say at least 40% most of the time are women who are launching podcasts. And so thrilled to have Susie Farthing as an alumni now, a graduate of the Podcasting A to Z course from winter 2012, go check out her amazing podcast that she's just launched, onelovefornurses.com. Also, Susie has just joined the Podcast Mastermind, so I'm very excited to have her there. In fact, three members of the Podcasting A to Z course from winter 2012 uh, joined the Podcast Mastermind, so so thrilled to have these people on board and uh, if you like Susie's podcast, please let her know that you found out about her and her show from the Podcast Answer Man. All right, so before we get into this talk about the podcasting patent, I do want to just give you a little bit more of my review, my thoughts about my trip, my very first ever trip to Las Vegas. It was awesome. I am so thrilled that I made it there. As you guys heard in episode 290, I believe. I was not feeling well when I recorded that show. I should have been in bed that day. I was still suffering from the flu. And uh, I was beginning to get a little nervous about how my trip to Vegas was going to be. Thankfully, my antibiotics and my medication, I think it was something called Tamiflu or something like that, it really did help. And even in spite of the fact that I hardly got any sleep at all while I was in Vegas, um, I had a really wonderful time. I am going to pause for just a moment while I cough. And now I'm back. Uh, But anyway, other than that, I I still have a little bit of a lingering cough from bronchitis. But uh, overall, I'm feeling really well and back at it. Uh, Let me just share with you a couple of my highlights, the things that I enjoyed most. And I'm I'm sure I probably brought a little bit of this out in the roundtable discussion last week. But I I just want to highlight again just how much of a thrill it was for me uh, for my speaking uh, engagement there. My, My own personal talk, it was the best that I'd ever given. Uh, I had several people suggest that I should do uh, cough medication uh, during every talk that I give, but I I was thrilled. One of the things that was interesting, there were uh, approximately 150 people in the room, 
Uh, I, I, and I'm told that actually there were five people, not just one. I, one person told me, but then later I, I, I learned of other people. But anyway, they actually took five people out of my room and closed the doors and they had security stand in front of the door and turn away. And I've, I've been told that it wasn't just a few people, that they turned away more than 50 people that wanted to get into my session because of the fire hazard. Um, so, I mean, for me, it was a huge like ego boost, if you will, or it just really boosted my confidence. The energy in that room was just out of this world. I cannot even begin to tell you just how much it felt to be a, in a room that was packed full, people standing against the walls and just hanging on your every word. In fact, I want to share with you a little bit of an audio clip that I made of my talk. You can find this on my one of my YouTube channels at, uh, I think it's youtube.com slash cliffeotc. Uh, but anyway, it, it's the title of this uh, video that I put on YouTube is called Be Thankful for the Audience You Already Have. Let me go ahead and play the audio for this of this for you. Could you just, just imagine this. What if only this group? Could you imagine this? You guys are intently focused on what I'm saying to you right now. And I have this kind of attention for every single human being who has stuck their earbuds in their ear and they're driving down the road in the car listening to me talk about anything I want to say in that podcast. What a privilege it is to have your attention, your attention, your attention, not his attention, your attention. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) He's tweeting about how awesome I am. Um, (laughs) You see what I'm saying? This is, I mean, think about this. Look at this room. This is awesome. Could, wouldn't it be awesome if you could get up on this stage and talk to this number of people every single week? People are in this room. Is it maybe 100, 150? I don't know. But, but could you imagine me saying, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to New Media Expo next year. I went last year, and this is all I had. Man, what a worthless waste of my time. <laughs> Now, go tell everybody so that next year I'll come back. No, I'm going to be thankful for you guys. I'd be thankful if only the first two rows up here were filled. In fact, at Blog World LA last year, I think I had 22 people in my room. I was, I was just as energetic, sharing just as much passion with those 22 people, and I was happy to have those people. And as a matter of fact, I kind of liked that there was only 22 people because I got time to intimately connect with each one of them in a very real way. So there you go. That, you know, this is something that I've been kind of, if you don't mind the word preaching for a very long time, I, I, this is like a big thing for me. I get up on my soapbox. I really don't like that, that email that I get with, I've been podcasting for X number of months or years and I only have X number of listeners and that X number of listeners is almost always more than 150 people. And if you could just see that video, because the video, the second half of that video actually pans through, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to put on here, include video in show notes. Okay, so I've put that in here so that you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash 292. But if you could just see the pan of this room filled with, with a, what, what 150 people look like, 
and and just imagine speaking to that group of people. And here's the thing. Right now, I am talking with people like Dan Miller, who is on the treadmill right now listening to my voice. Hi, Dan. Uh, and and I can't even begin to tell you the amount of um, of respect and 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 encouragement, or the respect that I have for Dan Miller, and the encouragement that I receive from this man, and the benefits that I've had from the relationship I have with him, and to think that he actually is listening to me every single week, once a week, every single week without fail. Wow, that that's crazy. Michael Hyatt, do you know how much this guy's got going on in his in his life? How many? Hundreds of thousands of people follow him on a weekly basis, and every single week, I get an hour of Michael Hyatt's attention? That blows my mind. Uh, I just learned this week, uh, or last week at New Media Expo, that Mark Pendleton listens to me. Mark, Pen- I, Mark, I didn't know you listened to me every week. He says, I never miss Podcast Answer Man. I'm like, really? I had no idea. And it blows my mind, you know, and, and, and to think that Mark Pendleton listens to my show every week. And if you guys don't know Mark Pen- Pendleton, you need to go to radiolingua.com and check it out. And I ba- basically, right when I first started out in podcasting, I was actually, uh, Stephanie and I, I was still working in insurance. I was um, on a business trip, not a business trip, but it's actually a recreational trip. I, it was one of those incentive trips that I won for selling lots of life insurance. Anyway, Stephanie and I were in Los, Los Cabos, Mexico on vacation, and I was listening to every single episode of Coffee Break Spanish, and that's way back when he first got started. Anyway, so I, I have this like huge amount of respect as this pioneer of podcasting, and here to learn that Mark Pendleton today is listening to me right now, that he is one of those people who is listening to me, and you guys, I mean, come on, you guys are listening to me. You right now are listening to me and you listen and many of you listen to me every single week many of you have listened to me for more than 300 hours and you know what you want to know something there are a couple hundred people who have who are listening to podcast answer man right now who have listened to all 3000 plus podcast episodes i have ever produced there are a couple hundred people that blows my mind. And so so just to think, if, if you only have 150 people who are subscribed to your podcast and you don't think that that's, that's important, you don't think that that's special, you know what? Now, Podcast Answer Man has a lot more than, a, than 150 people that subscribe to this show. I've got a lot more today. I've, I've been spending my, you know, last several years of my life, you know, seven, eight years now, building what I have today as an online community, one relationship at a time. But let me just say that if Podcast Answer Man only had 150 subscribers... And if I knew that Michael Hyatt and and Mark Pendleton and Daniel Hayes and Dave Dufour and and just all of these people, if I knew that those people were listening to me every single week and they got value out of listening to me, that that would mean something. It means that I'm having a positive impact in the lives of 150 other people. And that is a privilege. That is an honor. And it's not just about how, how many hundreds of thousands of people so that I can get the right advertiser to monetize this thing. And that's just, that's my perspective on podcasting. So that's, that's I got to share that message. And plus, not to mention, that was just one of the points that I made in my talk at New Media Expo. But I just want to say, it was 
it was an honor. It was a thrill to do that. I want to tell you, I'm starting to get very nervous because next month, in, in actually just a couple weeks, I'm going to Nashville and Michael Hyatt's doing the Platform Conference. I think you can go to platformconference.tv. Uh, if you haven't signed up, I think there might be some spaces left. You can use, I think, promo code, promo code CLIFF, C-L-I-F-F, to get $100 off. They just opened, I think, like 40 extra spaces. They're probably sold out by now, but you can try it out. Anyway, but Michael Hyatt's doing his first ever platform conference, and there's only a like a handful of speakers. I don't know, six, seven, eight speakers, maybe less. I, 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 I don't know exactly for sure, but I'm one of those speakers. And this is Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt does another big conference called, um, oh, he's going to kill me for not knowing this. No, he's not going to kill me. But anyway, I feel horrible for not knowing this. What's the name of his other conference? But it, it's all about speaking. And um, it's it's all about professional speaking. And and I listen to Michael Hyatt's podcast on slide presentations and the things that you should avoid and and all of these things. And and I've been so crazy. I I have to actually get them slides by the end of this weekend for my presentation. I haven't started to work on it. I think I know the um, I know the title. So that's going to be helpful. And, you know, with eight hours or so, I'll be able to put some slides together and and I'll be able to prepare and stuff. But I am starting to get really nervous because well, you know, well, I'm just getting nervous. I am. I'll just be honest with you. I'm really nervous. It's taking me out of my comfort zone to actually speak at a conference of this level, of this caliper. And and that's okay because this is all about taking things to the next level. And so while I'm very nervous about speaking at Platform I'm also and very anxious about it, um, at the same time, I'm I'm exhilarated by the fact that I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone that by the time I actually am finished speaking at the pl- platform conference it will have elevated in my mind my confidence level and my ability to speak and communicate my message even if I fail miserably at the conference at least I went and I did it and I'll learn from it and Michael Hyatt I promise you I'll try not to fail miserably at your conference but uh but you know it's it's going to be fun and and I'm nervous at the same time. You know, it, it's just it's just what it is. And then um uh Michael Stelzner is bringing me out to um San Diego in April and I'm going to be speaking at a huge conference for Social Media Examiner. It's called Social Media Marketing World and um I don't feel as anxious about that one because there are so many speakers there, but at the same time the the audience that I'm going to be speaking to is a different type of audience than what I've ever spoken to before and at, at, at social media market media marketing world I'm going to be speaking to business professionals and and corporate people who are looking to learn about this stuff so anyway I, I just want to let you guys know that I'm oftentimes nervous and anxious about the things that I put my hands to and I and, and I don't go at all of these things with full confidence uh, some of these things I go shaking in my boots and uh, not that I wear boots but if I did I would be shaking in them and, and I just want to encourage you that if you are thinking about getting out there getting your voice your message online whether it means going out and becoming a public speaker or it means launching a podcast for you get out there and do it you're never going to excel in life unless you actually take some first steps and guess what 
You know, you're not going to be perfect right out of the gate. And Michael Hyatt, I hope that you don't expect perfection from me. And I don't know what my slides are going to look like. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm going to do if I don't read my slides uh, as my as my notes. And maybe I need to talk to you and, and see if I, maybe I should carry an index card in the palm of my hand or something like that to remind me of my next few things. Anyway, it's all going to work out. And folks, I'm going to encourage you that if you create a podcast, create a blog, uh, create a YouTube channel, whatever it is that you need to do to get your voice, your message, your your thoughts out into the world, it's going to work out for you too. And 2013 is a great year to do it. All right, so that was my talk at New Media Expo and uh, really exciting stuff. Uh, my meetup was huge. Uh, I think I, I shared last time, I think we had 27 people in my suite. And of that, I think we had 15 podcast mastermind members it, and the rest were uh, podcasting A to Z alumni and very close friends from the gspn.tv community. 27 people in a small room was just awesome. It was quiet in that there was no loud music blaring, but it was very loud from all the great and wonderful conversation, the connections I saw happening there. And I actually had a couple of, during that meetup, I had a couple of you know, almost like out-of-body experiences. And I, I know that that sounds super weird and creepy, but let me explain to you what I mean. You know, obviously, I'm going to post a, a slideshow of the vid, uh, of, of the photos that I took during that, that um, uh, meetup in the show notes over at podcastanswerman.com slash 292 if you want to see them. But during that meetup, I was walking around the room with the camera and stuff like that, and I was almost as a, a fly on the wall. And I just kind of just hovered and around and took some candid photos of people. I was just listening closely to, you know, kind of hear some of the conversations that we're having, that people were having there. And I just want to tell you, the conversations that were happening in that room were mind-altering. I mean, I'm literally seeing people connect. I, I, I literally heard future businesses being created in that room. I literally heard plans for the future that will radically change the lives of the people who were having the conversations. And that to me was, it It, it blows my mind. Because for me, it, it's not like, let me just host a meetup so everybody has an opportunity to meet me. It's, this is, my, my goal is to take people with shared passions, put them together in relationships and uh, that are built and formed around those shared passions. Uh, so much of our our social life growing up prior to social media has been, you know, we we kind of predetermine who we're going to do life with or have a relationship with based upon our initial reactions about how people look or whether or not, you know, the, the topic of conversation is around sports, religion, or politics uh, and stuff like that. And with social media, we can actually start a relationship with a shared passion and we could have a completely different worldview. We could have a completely different religion. We could have a completely different everything and we can still build an amazing relationship where we're positively impacting each other's lives. And I saw that firsthand and I've seen this firsthand for years, but never to the level of what I saw at the meetup that we had in uh, New Media Expo in Las Vegas. That was out of this world. Um... Wow. The idea, matter of fact, this probably, this meetup will probably, 
uh, change the way that I do meetups in the future. I was, by the way, I was very concerned about this because I, I have always done meetups kind of like at a restaurant where we could get together and eat around, you know, sit around the table, have food and stuff like that. And everybody's sitting down and it's comfortable. Well, the, even even in like New York City, when we went to John's Pizzeria, it was great. But I only got to really have conversation with the three or four people that were within my distance of being able to communicate um and i didn't get to actually see everybody else and everybody else was kind of limited but with my suite there were not chairs everywhere there wasn't chairs for everyone and that was kind of (coughs) excuse me sorry about that but anyway it i was kind of nervous about that but in fact i think there were too many chairs in the room because what i did see is people congregating in circles and clusters and i saw people break off and go and meet with other circles and clusters and and it radically transformed my idea of what the perfect meetup is. And if I could say it, I hosted the perfect meetup in my suite in Las Vegas. And I want to duplicate that environment as much as possible moving forward. And, and it certainly will, will have a radical impact on, on the way that I do my meetups in the future. So definitely, definitely got some great tips from that and uh, was thrilled by that. I want to say that you guys all know I'm a massive Leo Laporte fan. The fact that I had just any part in bringing Leo Laporte to New Media Expo was huge. Leo crushed it in his keynote. It was out of this world. Uh, not to mention the fact that I actually, you know, instead of being a Leo fan, I almost feel like after New Media Expo last week, um, because I brought, I'm actually the person responsible for bringing bringing Leo there. Uh, I've developed a really good relationship with Leo uh, Lisa Kensel, who is the CEO of Twit, and um, and and I actually got to hang out with uh, Leo and Lisa for quite a bit during the conference. Uh, just one-on-one with them and then um, during his meet and greet and and just stuff like that. And it it was really cool. And so for me, personal win was just, you know, kind of actually taking my relationship with Leo from I'm one of your fanboys to actually having more of a peer relationship with Leo. And um, it was, it was I'll just be honest, in his keynote, it was an honor to be like I was within the first sentence or two of his being in the keynote. He thanked Rick and he thanked me personally. Uh, although he did say Cliff Ravenscroft, but that's okay. He always calls me Ravenscroft. Um, I'll talk to him about that. But anyway, but still, it 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 for me it means a lot to to have a, a deeper connection there, and also to have that connection with Lisa. I don't know if you guys know this, but Lisa at Twit, she's the one who actually makes all the decisions of what goes on in that place. Uh, and she's a very cool person and uh, just it was it, that was a huge thing for me. So the networking that I had with Leo and Lisa from This Week in Tech from the Twit Network, that was a personal highlight. The podcast awards was awesome. Um, it, it, we talked about that last week. I'm not going to go on and on about that. But the podcast awards was just out of this world. Standing room only really, I think, blew away everybody's expectations of what it might have been like, and next year's just going to be huge, more huge than that. Um, after New Media Expo was over, I stayed uh, several extra days. Um, I actually went to CES and got to hang out with Gordon Firemark and Daniel Hayes the entire day. We, we <laughs> excuse me, hold on. 
There, okay. Um, again, dealing with the bronchitis. It's not as bad as I thought it would be, but um, anyway. Uh, but Daniel Hayes, Gordon Firemark, myself, we started out in the North Hall, saw just, I'd say we saw about 85% of everything in the new North Hall. Uh, we went to the Central Hall, I'd say we saw about 90 to 95% of everything in the Central Hall. And I'd say we probably saw every about 90 to 95% of everything in the South Hall, both the upper level and the lower level. And that was all in one day. And it was crazy. I was both um, very, very much, um, you know, it, it was what I expected. And then again, it was not what I expected. Um, I did see some very cool things there. Uh, I, I saw this, you know, kind of like this uh, wheel that is like the, um, what do you call those things? The the little, um, the wheel that people ride, the Segway. It was kind of like a Segway without the upper arm thing. You just get on the wheel and ride. Uh, so I saw that. I saw a little window washing robot there, which was pretty interesting. You know, you've got the Roombas for the carpet. Well, this is a robot that will do your windows. I got to see this little thing that uh, is like a robot that has a video camera, and it's kind of like you can virtually go through a, 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 a factory with a big screen that shows your face and it's got a video camera on there so you can actually control where this thing goes and it's kind of like you virtually are taking a tour of, of a place. Um, and to be honest with you, that's the next time I go to CES, I just want one of those robots. That's how I want to actually interact with CES. It was a lot of too many headphones, too many iPhone cases, uh, it was cool to see that Fitbit introduced their new wristband thing. I still haven't had a chance to even look in to see what all that one's all about. Um, but they, they, it was it was fun. I enjoyed going there. Uh, I'm glad I did CES. I don't know that I, you know, I, I know that uh, New Media Expo is going to be once a year, every year. I know that it's going to be in Vegas. And I know that next year it's going to be right up against CES again. I don't know if I'll actually go back to CES next year. To be honest with you, I, I think I saw enough electronics to 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 say, you know, I've been here. I've seen that. I wasn't overly impressed with anything. It was uh, the one thing I did get out of it. It was it was fun to walk the halls. Uh, it was it was great to get the physical activity in. I certainly had needed that. And I was thrilled to have, I think, at the end of the day, the day 17,000 plus steps. Um, but CES, it's just a lot of electronics on and on display. And you can, after you see so many headphones and 8K, 4K TVs and, and, and it just, one looks just like the other. And there's usually only about four, there was, I think maybe four, maybe five or six different unique things that came out of CES. I, I'm seeing them all over Mashable and all over CNET and all the, over all of these other things. I did see them personally. I did see them face to face. I was within, you know, arm's length. I actually touched physically some of the things that are being covered. Yes, they were cool, but to be honest with you, it was it was it was just as cool to read about them online as it was to spend an entire day walking these halls. Um, so thankfully though, CES did not keep me from experiencing Las Vegas. I did spend the last day in Las Vegas kind of uh, going up and down the strip, going in some of the hotels. Um, I did actually see uh, the inside of the Venetian, which was probably the most impressive um, hotel to walk through. Um, I got some gelato there that was out of this world. 
but what was really cool is I grabbed a cab and I told them, I said, listen, I want to go to the Golden Silver Pawn Shop from the, the History Channel show Pawn Stars. And so they took me down there and I drove down and um, some people had already warned me, you know, it's like, hey, it's pretty unimpressive. The guys are never there and stuff like that. And so I went in with pretty low expectations and I'm glad that I went in with low expectations because I needed that. Because to be honest with you, everything that I had heard was pretty much true. The guys from the show are not there. Um, and outside of the sh- outside of the uh, shop, uh, it looks just like it does on the TV show, which is really cool. I got a picture of myself in front of the shop, which was cool. Uh, when you walk in the shop, the first one third of the shop looks just like it does on the TV show. What they don't show you in the TV show is that the second third and the third third of the shop is nothing more than an overglorified souvenir shop for Pawn Stars, uh, which I guess that's to be expected. I mean, I mean, literally, it, it did it for me. It did not seem to be a functional pawn shop anymore. You, the stuff that you see happening, I, I did not see people bringing in stuff. And, and any kind of negotiating happening. I didn't see people buying any of the antiques and stuff like that. All I saw was people buying trinkets, uh, souvenirs, T-shirts, bobbleheads, maybe a silver coin just to say that they could say they bought something from gold and silver. It was very unimpressive other than the fact that it was cool to be in that location uh, and stuff like that. Now, with that being said, I'm still a huge fan of the TV show. I still like Pawn Stars. I came home and watched a couple episodes since I've been home. And and it was kind of cool to say, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that. But man, I'll tell you, so much of it is just the camera angles. They make it seem like everything's, yeah, it's, it, it's just the front of the shop. And and so much of that is just, uh, it's it's not it's not what I expected. It, it's not what I expected. And I'm very thankful that people had let lowered my expectations before I got there because I was able to enjoy my experience. I am, however, extremely thankful to one of the employees at the shop who told me that American Re- Rick's Restoration from this TV show American Restoration was within walking distance. Now, he made it sound pretty close. It was about a 25-minute walk, and it was pretty chilly outside. But I did walk all the way to Rick's Restorations. And I will tell you, I was not let down there. Oh, my gosh. If you are in Las Vegas and you're a fan of American Restoration on the History Channel, which, by the way, I have I don't think I've missed a single episode of that show. I mean, I, I, I think I came into it uh, about a year and a half ago, and I've, you know, they did all those replays and stuff like that. I've I've seen every episode of American Restoration. I love the show, not because I'm a huge fan of antiques being restored and stuff like that, but I watch it because I really like to see Rick and how he handles business negotiations. I like to see the way that he communicates with his clients, uh, with his customers, the way that he he gives proposals on pricing. I love the way that um, you know he gets excited and thrilled when somebody's thrilled with the work that they do. The fact that he loves his work, that all means a lot to me. And that's what I respect about Rick and, and what he's done there with his family business. And so to, to get to go there, now the thing is, is by the way, I went, I walked towards Rick's restoration. I'm thinking, okay, 
I'm gonna my expectations are gonna be very low here. I, I wonder if this is gonna be the same thing that's happened to them now that they're these huge TV stars. They're gonna you know not be around, not be um, you know it, it, it's not gonna be even you know they only do restoration work for the TV show and the rest is it's just an over glorified gift shop. Uh uh-uh, uh no. This is a functional business that is in operation today and they are doing their work. In fact, they do more work when the the TV show is not being filmed. Uh, related to their business than when it is being filmed and these guys are awesome you walk in they do have a little bit of a little a little tiny room with that has some you know souvenirs t-shirts and stuff like that uh, they have a little waiting area for people who come in with some of the finished items that you've seen on the TV show sitting there and they give you a tour uh, several times a day they actually take people on a tour through the business now it's all closed off and it and and they take you through and where you can see windows into the different rooms where they do different things and when I went on the tour I did see Kyle from the TV show I saw cowboy from the TV show and saw a bunch of other people that were working there and they they do ask you not to take photos when you're actually on the tour of the inside of the business um, because there are things that people are working on that haven't been aired yet or something like that. But anyway, um, so I didn't get to take pictures of that, which was a bummer, but I still got to see a tour and I got to see these people working and they were really working. This wasn't like, you know, hey, let us all, you know, you can't just ask everybody to stop and take a picture with you. These people are really working their shift and doing their job. And I had a profound, um, a profound amount of respect for what was going on there. Now, the other thing is, is that um, uh, they also occasionally do come out and take photos. And I had missed that portion of the day, but I was not going to take no for an answer. I was going to find a way. And um, I think I got there around two o'clock in the afternoon and I stayed there until they closed at five o'clock. And while I was there, as people, you know, there were lots of people coming in, a lot of people going out, heard a lot of people ask, can we get our picture with Rick? Can we get our picture with Rick? Can we get our picture with Rick? And I heard him say, you know, he's not available right now because he's back there working and stuff like that. And and, uh, he does come out at these times if you want to come back tomorrow or Monday or whatever and stuff like that. And so I, I heard that and I wasn't expecting too much. But um, as I was standing there, I, I just I just hung out. You know, I'm, I was like, what if I get this opportunity? And so Ron, uh, which is Rick's brother, he's on the show. He came through and he was just walking through. And I said, hey, Ron, do you mind if I get a picture with you? And he's like, absolutely. And so I got a picture with him. Um, then one group came out and uh, Tyler, there's uh, Rick's son, who's also on the show, came out. And he actually did come out to take pictures with the people that was there. There was a big, large crowd. And so I got to take a picture with Tyler. But then at the end of the day, after everyone else had left, everyone else had given up on their opportunity to get a photo, um, Rick's, or Kelly's daughter came out. And she, she says, she says, do you want to have a picture with Rick? And I said, I would, that, I, it would make my day. It would make my entire trip to Las Vegas if I could get a picture with Rick. And so Rick, she went out and she got Rick and Rick did come out I got my picture with him. And then after that, Kelly came out and I got my picture with her and it was just, it's like, ah, this is awesome. And I wanna tell you, I just have a profound amount of respect for the way that they handle what they're doing there. The fact that they're able to continue and carry on business and, and they haven't let the celebrity status go to their head is just awesome. Rick's restoration in Las Vegas on Commerce Street, Totally awesome time. So that was my new media expo experience. All right. So 
podcast patent lawsuit. Obviously, this episode is going to be just, <laughs> it's going to be about an hour and 20 minutes. But I want to share with you the podcasting patent lawsuit. I'm going to take a break, going to pause, get a drink, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And my voice sounds a little softer now. Anyway, um, so here's the deal. I opened up episode 291 last week with a, a little bit of announcement. I, I now understand that many of you had not yet heard about this. In fact, I'm su- surprised and shocked about the number of people today who's, who are here as I'm recording this live that hadn't even heard about this yet. Well, I'm going to start off with an email. Uh, well, actually, no, let me start off by telling you this all broke while we were in Vegas last week. Um, I happen to have some good, close friends and connections over at Libsyn, as you guys know, uh, Libsyn.com Liberated Syndication. Anyway, Libsyn is the host for the Adam Carolla podcast and not to mention, uh, you know, lots of other podcasts. And so um, a friend of mine basically told me as soon as he found out that uh, he just got a call and uh, it seems like this company called Personal Audio LLC is claiming to have a patent on podcasting, and they are suing Adam Carolla's podcast network and also How Stuff Works. And um, and and he shared with me some information. I I'm not going to share a, a ton of that conversation or anything with you uh, because there's still so much in development at this point. Uh, but I am going to talk about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you what everything that I can share that is public knowledge. So please understand. Um, Please understand I can't share everything, but I am going to share anything that is publicly available on the web because I, I feel guys that many of you probably aren't aware of this. You don't know where to look for this information yet, and so I'm going to share the public knowledge with you now. And I'm going to start off by an email that came in from my friend Jason Piles, who actually is a podcasting A to Z alumni from a, a while back now. But anyway, Jason wrote this email to me. He says, hi, Cliff. I've been affiliated with a very successful podcasting network for over a year now. This particular network and its nine audio and video podcasts have enjoyed tremendous success with it with subscribers somewhere near 100,000. And some of the podcasts on the network are generating income as well. I received a troubling email from the network owner last night that I wanted to hear your thoughts on. He said there is a company called Personal Audio that has patents for rights of podcasting or podcasts. In quotes, he or in parentheses, he wrote writes episodic content. They're you they're on let's see, they're on a suing spree claiming the rights over podcast, and apparently they have won in court. The first was Apple. Okay, now first and foremost, I want to tell you right now. Uh, just, I'm going to stop right here in Jason's email and I'm going to say this is inaccurate information, this last line. He says they're on a suing spree. Actually, that's accurate. Claiming the right over podcasts. That is also accurate. What is inaccurate is this statement. And apparently they have already won in court. The first was Apple. That is almost accurate. Okay, so let me explain. Personal Audio LLC is a company that owns several patents. One of those patents is actually a patent for playlists. Now, they, uh, Personal Audio LLC did sue Apple over their playlists 
patent for $8 million and Personal Audio LLC did win. All right, so Apple did pay $8 million in the patent lawsuit uh, against them with Personal Audio LLC over the Playlists patent has nothing to do with podcasting, has nothing to do with the podcasting patent. So I just wanted to clarify that um, this friend that told you this information, Jason, is giving somewhat true information. I'm not saying that he's being deceitful. I think he just misunderstands because it's very easy to to assume these things with the conversations that are going online. That's why I wanted to come here and I wanted to clarify this. So they're on a suing spree claiming the rights over podcasts and apparently they have one in court and the first was Apple. And again, the the court in with Apple, the court, the lawsuit with Apple was one, but it was not related to podcasting. Anyway, continuing on, continuing on in the email from Jason from here. A week ago, Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works were sued for the same reason. Again, I'm going to stop right here. No, they were not sued for the same reason. A week ago, Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works were sued, but not for the same reason. All right. And he actually writes this statement. He says, a week ago, Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works were sued for the same reason, and I've heard they've already settled with a lump sum. This, I I am not aware of that at all. I think that is pure speculation, uh, and I don't have any further details that I can give you, but I don't, I have not heard of any kind of settlement. And certainly, again, Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works are not being sued for the same reason for which Ada, for which Apple had lost their lawsuit. It is different. He says, for a brief summary, this there is an article, and he links to an article on uh, on on he basically just links to an article with a news story about this, and I'm going to share with you some probably some better articles and and stuff like that. So anyway, this continues on in his email. He says. It would appear that this company is being su- is suing the big boys first and getting paid, so it seems, and it could possibly trickle down. So before I f- go on again, you're right. It does appear that, that Personal Audio LLC is suing the big boys in content creation. As far as getting paid, I've not heard any news to that effect. I want to clearly state that I am not aware as of right now, Thursday, January 17th, 2013, I don't know of anybody who has settled with Personal Audio LLC regarding the podcast patent. Continuing on in Jason's email. So, my friend, the network owner acknowledged that his network is no Adam Carolla or Apple, but because of the success of the network, he doesn't want to take any chances with getting sued. He said he has been told by people who are quote-unquote in the know that even if podcasters don't get sued, there will be licensing fees forthcoming for all podcasts, all right? Now, again, um, I would say that if this person is the person who led you to think that uh, Adam Carolla was being sued for the same reason that Apple was sued and and lost, uh, if that person is the same person that is quote unquote giving you information from people that are in the know, I would discount that most of that information. 
All right. I would only read what you can actually read in print on these stories. And please do not go crazy with with this speculation that people are out there just telling you. All right. Uh, in fact, everything that I'm going to share with you that can be pub- can be found publicly, and I will link to it all at podcastanswerman.com slash 292 for episode 292 here. Anyway, as far as, you know, that, you know, people are going to be, you know, even if we don't get independent podcasters don't get sued, there'll be licensing fees forthcoming for all podcasts. You know, nobody knows that right now. It's too soon to tell. And and yeah, it, it's just too soon to tell. I won't even I won't even com- comment yet on that speculation. All right. Continuing on in Jason's email, whether this happens this year or in five years, nobody knows. But my friend, the network owner, is planning to cease hosting podcasts on his network, which means he is going to take all of the podcasts, all of the feeds, RSS, and show notes off of his network on January 31st, 2013. He he said that he just wasn't going to, quote-unquote, test the patents that have already been found valid in court. And again, none of these pat this podcasting patent has not been found valid in court yet. Uh, it has not been and nobody's paid on it. I haven't seen any of that stuff. But this is the kind of stuff that last week in episode two two ninety one I said, don't let this stuff scare you. Don't go running. Don't start the you know. Don't don't add to these rumors. Don't don't freak out. Don't get anxious. Just let it wait out. See how things are go. So again, um, it, and this is exactly what some of us in the podcasting sphere. This is some of the conversations that I had with some of my friends last week. Uh, in Vegas when this news broke and we we trust me we got together and we were talking about it um uh and w- the biggest thing is is fear you know don't let this thing scare everyone um that you know podcasting is too huge there's over 200 and some odd thousand podcasts in the iTunes directory i mean you know we're, we're not a s- small little community here and uh we have a voice and so i'm going to share with you a couple things but anyway at the end of Jason's email to me, he says, so Cliff, you're the podcast answer man with a thriving network of your own. Here are four questions and I'll answer each of these. Question number one, how do you feel about this news? Well, it's something certainly to, that's perked up and caught my attention. There's no question about that. I think this is something serious that needs to be, uh, you know, that the community needs to be up to date on. And that's something that I hope to be able to do for you guys is to keep you up to date with this information as much as I can. I probably will only be able to share with you guys things that are made available to the public. And as soon as those things are made available to the public and can be read online publicly, I'll share them with you. I do want to let you know that I am having some conversations with people who actually are quote unquote in the know who, you know, are are directly tied to some things. I am not going to be sharing any of those private conversations with anyone individually or in podcast answer man. And please understand that I can't. Um, but I, I want to tell you, how do I feel about this? It's something that I, I, I'm not going to say that it concerns me, but it but I'm going to I'm not. It's certainly uh, something that is of concern. Uh, and I'm not freaked out. I'm not wondering what this means for the future of my career as the podcast answer man and teaching people how to podcast. 
not worried about it. I am not anxious. I'm more worried and anxious about what I'm going to speak and how my talk is going to go at the platform conference. That, <laughs> matter of fact, my 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 worry uh, about how well my my talk will go at the platform conference is a billion times more than my worry or fretting over any kind of podcasting patent from uh, Personal Audio LLC. So. Just to give you a, a scale of one to ten, how concerned am I? I'd say I'm I'm at a probably a three out of ten on my concern level about what this means for the future of podcasting. Um, so number two, what does this mean exactly for the future of podcasting? The answer to that question, it is way too soon to tell. The only thing I can tell you right now is that the future of podcasting, it immediately could have some damaging effects if people start spreading rumors and start speculating about what this could be uh, for the future of podcasting and they decide to make rash and hasty decisions uh, and shut down podcast networks because they hear this, they're afraid, and they go away. I'm going to highly recommend that people don't abandon ship. Uh, I think it's too soon to tell what this means for the future of podcasting and overall I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be a blip in the road. It's going to be a small little hurdle and potentially this could be a good thing for podcasting. It could be a thing that brings podcasting to the mainstream, which is one of my big predictions for 2013. Um, I'm going to tell you that that this could actually end up being something positive. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Next. Next. And the fourth and actually the third question, he says, do you think my friend network owner is making a hasty or prudent decision? I think he's made a very hasty decision. But you know what? It's his decision to make. And so, you know, everybody's risk tolerance is a, is different. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. And and I personally, I think it's a hasty decision. Uh, but for him, it may be a prudent decision. For him, podcasting may not be his his number one ultra super high over the top passion and it may not be that much of a part of his life. For me, podcasting is a part of my life and it's not just the making money out of it, doing it as a career. Podcasting as a method of getting my message out into the world and benefiting it, uh, and having a pot- positive impact on the lives of other people through the content that I create even outside of Podcast Answer Man, it is so much a part of my life that I was willing to leave my career in insurance and to not even knowing how I was going to make a living, deciding to leave that to actually pursue podcasting full time. And so for me, I, I I think it was a hasty decision, but uh, for somebody else, I could see where it would be a pr- prudent decision for them. All right. And then how will you proceed with your network? I am going to proceed with my network exactly like I was going to proceed with my plans to go to Las Vegas. When everybody was saying on the History Channel and all of those ancient aliens and the Mayans and the end of the world countdowns and all of that stuff, on December 24th, on December 18th, December 19th, December 20th, and December 21st, all of those days, I continued to put together all the planning and everything else that I needed to do for Las Vegas and setting up my next podcasting A to Z course. I continued to actually uh, plan my life as if the world were going to continue after December 21st, 2012. And guess what? We are beyond the end of the Mayan calendar. Hello and welcome to the new world. I love it. And you know what? 
I'm going, how will I proceed with my network? I am going to proceed, proceed with my network as if I'm going to be podcasting for the next eight years, as if I'm going to produce the next seven or the next 3,000 plus episodes. I'm going to continue and keep moving forward. So Jason, that, that is my response to your email, and I hope that it uh, helps put your mind at ease and helps put some other folks' mind at ease as well. And um, yeah, so that's Jason's email. That's my response. Now let's talk about this a little bit more. So first of all, the company is Personal Audio LLC, all right? And you can find them at personalaudio.net. Now, of course, earlier this week, their site was over bandwidth, bandwidth exceeded, uh, so, but it's it was back up the, again this morning, which is good because I needed to pull off some information, some details that I wanted to read off of the site and share with you. Anyway, if you click on patents on the site and then click on podcasting, it says the 1996 personal audio player incorporated a novel mechanism for automatically identifying and retrieving media files representing, representing episodes in a series as those episodes became available. This mechanism was later widely adopted as the industry standard technique called podcasting. The personal audio server stored a compilation file that described individual media files which represented episodes in a sequence. Now again, I want to just say that the word compilation file uh, is a just a it's a file that's available at a certain URL. This this could be, and of course this is you know from a long time ago, uh, but today we would actually call this compilation file the RSS feed. Uh, so basically, the RSS feed uh, is the individual file that has the dis- has information related to the individual media files which are represented in a sequence, right? That's what an RSS feed does. Anyway, he says this compilation file was stored at a predetermined URL uh, or a website address known to the personal audio player and was updated as the episodes became available. The client player could then fetch the current version of the compilation file from time to time when connected to the internet and download new episodes identified in the compilation file so that they could be played immediately on request even when the client player was disconnected from the internet. Today, podcasts typically take the form of an industry standard RSS or Atom compilation file whose URL is stored by the client player device when the user subscribes to the con- to the podcast. By 2013, it is expected that more than 39 million users will listen to podcasts. Personal Audio's 1996 precursor to podcasting is described and claimed in Personal Audio's U.S. patent 8,112,504 and an additional pending divisional application both of which are entitled System for Disseminating Media Content Representing Episodes in a Serialized Sequence. All right, so that's what their patent site website says. So obviously you can tell that you know they are describing what, what basically effectively is how podcasting works. All right, so moving along here, what happened to that? I just had all of this pulled up. And 
Okay, so here's the patent. Okay, we're on this one. Uh, the patent, uh, the, actually the patent 8112504B2 was issued on February 7th, 2012 and was filed for back on March 4th, 2009. The patent title or if you will or the description is System for Disseminating Media Content Representing Episodes in a Serialized Sequence. Pretty broad statement, uh, yes, but you can see from what I read before that it is very much describing how podcasting is disseminated. Um, here is a press release, Monday, okay, yeah. Yeah, this is actually from the press release on their website. This is Monday, January 7th, 2013. Personal Audio asserts podcasting patent against media companies. Lawsuit names the Adam Carolla show and house and stuff you should know podcasts. And then it says here that I should read to you from the PDF from my from the site that I found. So let me go and pull that up here. And uh, let's see. Yep. I'm going to pull this up and read this to you. This is a press release from their website. It says, Personal Audio LLC has filed suit today against three companies in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas for infringement of its U.S. patent 8,112,504. Let's see here. The podcasting patent. The suit's name Ace Broadcasting Network. That's Adam Carolla's show or his network. HowStuffWorks.com and Togi Entertainment Incorporated as unauthorized users of the personal audio's podcasting technology. Ace Broadcasting hosts the Adam Carolla Show, CarCast, and other podcasts. The Adam Carolla Show claims the record for the most downloaded podcast. HowStuffWorks.com is the Discovery Channel's podcasting arm, hosting a number of popular podcasts, including Stuff You Should Know and Brain Stuff podcasts. Togi Entertainment Incorporated operates the TogiNet internet radio station, which hosts the Author Talk, iUniverse, and many more podcasts. We, in t- we invented the technology that enables podcasting back in 1996 as a part of an effort to develop a portable and personal audio system that would offer users a customized listening, listening experience using content and data downloaded over the internet, says Charles Call, a co-inventor on the 504 patent and a member of the Personal Audio LLC. Today, this patented technology is used by several media companies offering podcasting. In addition to the podcasting patent, Personal Audio is the owner of four other fundamental media patents, as well as several pending applications that describe technology that can be used to offer a personalized media experience using audio downloaded over the internet. In July of 2011, the personal audio personal audio won a jury verdict a verdict against Apple Incorporated in Texas for infringing the playlist patent US patent number 6199076 resulting in an 8 million dollar judgment plus 4 million in interest other defendants in the suit Arcos Kobe 
uh, Arcos and Kobe settled before trial. Samsung, Amazon, Motorola, RIM, Sirius, and others have now licensed the personal audio technology. Personal audio is represented by the Pitcock Law Group in this litigation. About personal audio. Personal Audio is a predecessor to the Personal Audio LLC, which was founded in 1996 with the mission of offering personalized audio to listeners using portable players, downloading content, and playlists from the internet. The self-funded company worked to develop such an audio player that could download, store, and manipulate audio files and related data. That system, described in patent applications filed in October of 1996, pioneered techniques now commonly used today in MP3 players, smartphones, smartphones, tablets, and other products that store and play audio and video files and work with downloaded playlists and podcasts. The founder of the company was James Logan, an entrepreneur who previously had been a pioneer in touch uh, screen in, in the touchscreen industry. He founded Microtouch Systems, which became public company and leader in the industry, and later go to it media, a pioneer in the video metadata field. In 2009, Personal Audio LLC was funded by founded by Logan and Call to the mar- to market the innovations described in patents in the patents. Robin, uh, Kaplan, Miller, and Ciresley, LLP, was subsequently engaged to assert the patents against Apple Incorporated and other defendants. The complaint resulted in a jury trial in July of 2011, and Apple was found to have infringed U.S. patent 6,199,076. Today, the personal audio patents are licensed by a number of major consumer electronics firms. For more information, contact Richard Baker, Vice President of Licensing, Personal Audio LLC, phone number 409-768-0009. rbaker at personalaudio.net is his email address. All right, so that is from the website. That is that is that is factual information that you can depend on. That is what is going on here. Yes, Personal Audio did sue Apple for a playlist patent and won. Yes, per, Personal Audio is asserting that they have a patent on podcasting. Now, this podcasting patent is actually a patent called uh, for you know means of disseminating serialized content. Uh, or actually, it's actually system for disseminating media content re- representing episodes in a serialized sequence. From my understanding, I have not heard that they've been awarded or won anything on this yet, and I think it's too early to tell. Now, from a 9 to 5 Mac article on this, it does say pretty much the same, and I'm just going to read this through you. Uh, in July of 2011, a federal jury uh, in Texas awarded pad patent uh, licensing company Personal Audio LLC $8 million in its patent infringement against Apple. The jury found that Apple infringed upon two patents related to downloadable playlists with its iOS devices as far back as the original iPod. One covered the audio program player, including a dynamic program selection controller, while the other covered 
excuse me, uh, while the other covered an audio program uh, distribution and playback system. 9to5Mac has now learned that Personal Audio LLC is attempting to target content creators directly, starting with a new patent infringement case in Texas against one of iTunes' biggest podcasters, Adam Carolla's Ace Broadcasting. If the outcome of the case is, is anything like Personal Audio's previous cases, it could have a major impact on podcasters and other content creators on iTunes and elsewhere. Personal Audio is also sued and entered license agreements with Sirius, XM Radio, Arcos, Kobe, RIM, Samsung, Amazon, and Motorola related to its downloadable playlists patent and others. Uh, the new patent issued last just last year on February 12th or February 7th, 2012 is quite broad and describes a system for disseminating media content representing episodes in a serialized sequence. Personal Audio is also suing the popular HowStuffWorksSeries.com series, which, like Ace Broadcasting, is a large podcasting presence on iTunes and across the web. On Personal Audio's website, the company said that its patents pioneered technology now commonly used in today's portable players, smartphones, tablets, and other products, as lists and lists several patents for music playlists, podcasting, personalized recommendations, and audio messaging. Now, with that being said, um, that that's all the factual information that is known, that is in print today, that you can rely on. And it does not state anywhere that anybody has settled for anything. And I just want to say, don't let this stuff scare you. Um, there are too many podcasters out there. In fact, um, at the end of the most recent episode of This Week in Tech with Leo Laporte, um, I want to play for you what Leo said at the end of his show. And uh, this is two minutes and 44 seconds. I'll just click play right now. I didn't mention actually the, the story that worries me the most. And I almost am tempted not to mention this. I'm nervous to mention this. Uh, there is a, a patent troll out there. At least I think they're, I don't know, maybe they're not a patent troll who claims that they have patented podcasting. Yeah. Uh, they apparently, I didn't, I remember this, they sued Apple a little while ago. It's called Personal Audio LLC, and they claim they invented podcasting in 1996. They have a patent which was granted to them last year, uh, and uh, a, a system for disseminating media content representing episodes in serialized sequence. They sued... And beat Apple, got a judgment of $8 million. They've entered licensing agreements now with Sirius, Arcos, Kobe, RIM, Samsung, Amazon, and Motorola. They're now suing two of the biggest podcasters out there, Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works. Now, we asked for a comment from either of them, and both of them, uh, probably at the advice of their lawyers, said, we aren't going to talk about this. We're not, we're not going to say a word. And I'm a little nervous about that. I, I would like to say, because I know we'll be... We'll get a lawsuit next, right? Or channel flip. Somebody will be off. Somebody. Right? And uh, and what I would like to see the internet, uh, the podcast community do is is band together and, and loudly fight this. But um, so it does make me a little bit uh, nervous. They sue in East Texas because that supposedly is a place that's quite favorable to these patent lawsuits. Uh, Personal Audio says they invented this stuff back in 1996 or 95. Um. All I can say is, is it makes as a as a, somebody who does create content for the internet, uh, this would be a devastating blow if we had to uh, 
uh, licenses stuff. If we got sued by these guys, I don't know if we could even afford to defend ourselves. Um, and we certainly couldn't pay the kind of money that Apple ended up paying. It would put us out of business. And it could put, frankly, uh, podcasting out of business. So I just wanted to raise your awareness about this. Uh, certainly, I think what would happen if we did get sued is we'd come to our audience and ask for your help. I, we've asked, and I would love to help Adam and how things work, but I think they both decided, probably their lawyers have decided it'd be best to just mm. stay quiet. And I hope, and I hope not settle, but perhaps even settle. But see, that's that's the temptation. They're not going to ask eight million dollars from Adam Carolla. They're going to say, "Well, it's going to cost you all three hundred thousand dollars to fight." They this. ask the largest amount they can get away with. Yeah, that's going to cost you less than the legal right. action. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I think we need to all band together. We may need to make it. We, uh, you know, together we have a chance. Singly, we don't. And there you go, my friends. Uh, so that's the information again. Apple did not win or did not lose a lawsuit against the podcasting patent. Please make sure that if this conversation is happening online anywhere that you make sure that people understand that nobody has lost a lawsuit yet uh, related to the podcasting patent. The Apple did lose a patent lawsuit against Personal Audio LLC for a playlist patent, not podcasting patent. And I, I I agree with Leo. Now, obviously, now Leo's a lot more nervous than I am. Uh, and why is that? Well, why is Personal Audio LLC going against Adam Carolla and the Ace Broadcasting and the Discovery Channel's HowStuffWorks.com stuff? Because those companies are making a great deal of income from their shows. And guess what? You know, twit.tv, you know, Leo Laporte, he makes, you know, millions of dollars every year. I think I, I can't remember in his keynote. Did he say it was they're on target for for generating seven million dollars in income from advertising uh, in 2013? So so obviously he would be pretty high up on the list if if these you know lawsuits continue to happen but here's the reason and and I totally love what Leo says and I believe that he would do this that if if he were to be you know in the targets or you know that he would actually be targeted by personal audio llc I do believe he'd bring the podcasting community in we we represent millions of people out there I mean I I really do I think if you add all the podcasters together and all of their audience uh, it's it's millions. Uh, even Personal Audio LLC says that it's estimated 39 million subscribers to podcast content, uh, and and I don't think that that number is out of question at all. So uh, you you can't take. I mean, the patent system. I don't. I'm not a lawyer. I I can tell you right now. I think it's you know. I've heard so many people say how broken it is. How can you patent every single thing, every single idea? Um, I, I'm almost reminded of of the History Channel's, uh, you know, um, the the men who changed the America or something like that, where it talked about Henry Ford and how he almost wasn't allowed to create to make cars, and he fought back against the patent system uh, and the people who owned the patent on the on the automobile, and he actually won and was able to actually create the automobile, even though uh, the the company had had a patent. So. You know, maybe maybe this is going to you know boil out to something. Maybe it's going to cost somebody some money. Maybe maybe somebody's going to have to take a stand. But here's the deal: there are way too many podcasts. You can't just shut this thing down. Um, and so you know, I, I'm wondering why Apple is going after the content creator instead of uh, a company like Apple, who actually is the number one repository of 
the uh, the catalog of podcasts and the podcasting app and and stuff like that. So anyway, I think it's too soon to tell. I think it's certainly too soon to get really nervous unless you're like Leo Laporte and making millions of dollars a year. Um, I, I can I, I certainly believe that that Leo is absolutely right to be very nervous in his shoes. Um, very, very nervous. Uh, but, uh, again, I think it's too soon to tell. I think that, uh, you know, I have no idea where this is going. You know, will there be licensing fees? You know, I, I have no idea. But the one thing I can tell you is that, um, you know, the one thing I, I wish is that if you have a patent on something, you know, and, and all of a sudden you let things go from 2004 to 2012, I think you should lose out. I mean, seriously, that's crazy. But anyway... Um, for me, I, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned right now. My, my threat level, my, my, my fear level of anything happening from this is on a three to 10. I would say for Leo, it's probably closer to a seven, eight or nine out of 10. Uh, but again, that, that just determines the size of your network and how much money you're making from this thing. And Leo's right up there at the top, my friends. So if that gives you a little bit of, um, you know, an idea of where I feel on this, that that's that's where I am. That's all I have to share with you. Uh, my my recommendation from this point is don't freak out. For those of you who are thinking about launching a podcast, go ahead and launch that podcast. For those of you who have a podcast, go ahead and create that podcast. And for those of you who aren't making a million dollars or more with your network of podcasts, keep doing what you're doing. Now the thing is, is please understand, I am not a lawyer. I do not give legal advice. And following my advice could cost you potentially. So seek the advice of an attorney or a patent law person or something else, blah, 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 blah. But for me personally, I say, you know, I'm not, I'm not freaking out about this. I'm not going to be overly anxious. And as soon as I hear more information that I am able to share with you, I will bring that to you in subsequent episodes of Podcast Answer Man. And my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this extremely long episode of Podcast Answer Man. Thank you for hanging out with me beyond the one hour time mark that I like to keep these things at. Anyway, got a couple things I want to share with you just before I end this music here. Uh, Real quickly, I want to let you know my podcasting A to Z course that started this Monday, January 14th, sold out again. Thank you so much to all of you guys out there who are joining me during these four-week sessions. It is so awesome. So glad. I have 21 students in this session. And because this session did sell out, I am now ready to make a commitment to my calendar for the next course. It is going to begin on Monday, March 4th, and we'll go through the entire month of March. You can find out more information at podcastinga2z.com. Again, podcastinga2z.com. And the cool thing is, is if you were to sign up even today, you would get access immediately to all of my tutorials. Immediate access to all my tutorials. You can get an entire month and a half head start on the class. Be building up all of your questions so that when we do get started on Monday, March 4th, you'll be able to start posting those. And of course, I do answer every question you post for four full weeks in Podcasting A to Z. Go over to podcastinga2z.com to learn how you can get started in your podcast here in 2013, the year I believe this stuff is going to go to the mainstream masses. Also, I want to say thank you to those of you who has used 
my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for your web hosting with Bluehost. Uh, you can go over to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting to read my thoughts about podcast hosting. But anyway, Bluehost gives me a great commission, as you guys know, a wonderful commission for each one of you who signs up. And I want to say thank you to the folks behind slewfootproductions.com, thechurchstartshere.com, sellingskillsmadeeasy.com, and Buchanus Automotive. I wonder if that's John Buchanus. Anyway, BuchanusAutomotive.com. Thank you to all four of those folks who have signed up using a Bluehost hosting account using my affiliate link. I appreciate each and every one of you. My friends, I will be back again next week. One of the things that I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you or not, I have a 20 or 22-minute uh, social media segment that I recorded today that was supposed to be included in this episode of Podcast Answer Man. I'm going to have to move that to next week, my friends. Eric Fisher, so sorry, but we will get you into next week's show. Anyway, thank you all so much. I encourage you to take your podcast and everything else you do in life to the next level. 